Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. So good to see you. I had so much fun worshiping with you today. You guys love Jesus. And I, hey, amen? I was hearing you sing today. Thank you for singing. You encourage my heart. It's such a blessing. Home is always the prize. Whenever we're away, it's great, but it's always so, so good to be home, and we love you, and we're glad to be here. Um, while I was away, uh, Pastor Chris uh, preached, and so did Pastor Lucas. Great messages uh, in our series in the book of Acts, and we are coming in for a landing. After this week, we'll just have one more message, and that'll kind of wrap up Acts, and then we're going to transition to some new stuff, and uh, welcome home Sunday, and all of that's going to be so good, so good. So, We've been in this uh, kind of three-part series in the book of Acts, and we're in the third part now, and the third part is all about the cost of the gospel, because there is a cost. I read a verse even just this week that uh, said, all who want to serve Christ will be persecuted. There's a cost to following Jesus, and so anybody who tries to uh, give you a gospel without a cost is not really giving you the full picture because of what Christ paid. There's a great cost in our salvation. But even for Paul, as he desired to live his life for God, there was a cost. And uh, we heard kind of through Pastor Chris and then on into Pastor Lucas, Paul's growing voice among, among the influential. In fact, this is an amazing uh, image for us of what Paul actually got to be a part of. It's, it's pretty incredible. I mean, obviously, he did his ministry and reached many people, talked to people at Mars Hill, talked to the movers and shakers of different cultures. But even in his trials, his four trials, he talks to the religious leaders in the Sanhedrin in, in Jerusalem. Uh, he talks to uh, uh, the ruler, uh, Governor Felix. He talks to the ruler, Governor Festus. And then uh, what we heard from Lucas last week was King Agrippa and um, on to Caesar. So it's not done yet. So we pick up the story kind of in, in that area where Paul is petitioned to go to Caesar. And as a Roman citizen, he can be tried um, by Caesar's court. And so there he goes. And we're going to talk about that today. And Paul's journey to Rome reminds me of the guy jumping out of the airplane without the parachute. And as he's falling out of the sky, he passes a big skyscraper and there's a, a window washer there. And the window washer says to him, how's it going? And he shouts back as he plummets to earth, so far, so good. And I, that really reflects the experience that Paul's having. And that's about all he could say. So far, so good. As he heads into chapter 27 of Acts, Paul boards a ship that's bound for Italy on its way to Rome. It's made it as far as Crete. And Paul then gives them a warning. He's saying, hey, so far, so good. But I want you to know disaster is coming. They choose not to listen to Paul. Of course, he's the prisoner. They choose to listen to the owner of the boat, the captain of the boat. The centurion sides with them. The centurion had the ultimate authority. And so off they go. And that's what we're going to pick up the story in verse 13 of Acts 27. Here it goes. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. Or so they thought it was their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. 
The ship was caught by the storm and could, could not heed into the wind. So it gave way and was driven along. Verse 16. As we passed the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid that they would run aground on the sandbars of Cerritus. There they lowered the anchor and they let the ship be driven along. It's not a good picture. It started out as a Sunday cruise. The next thing you know, they're in big trouble. They were on a boat. It was not a small boat, by the way. It was a large boat. It was an Alexandrian ship. In other words, it had come from Alexandria, which is in Africa, and it had come across and was on its way to Rome, bringing the grain and supplies from the bounty, the breadbasket of Egypt, over into Rome. And so they jumped on this ship. The problem is, is this ship, although big, is not very maneuverable, and it has some limitations. Number one is it's 144 feet long, 36 feet wide, 33 feet tall. It's a huge boat, but it doesn't actually have a rudder. It has a way of navigating, and they called them rudders, but they're actually paddles that came out, one on each side of the boat, and they would kind of use them to direct the boat. The boat only had a single mast, although it had more than one sail. It only had a single mast, and so therefore it was vulnerable because in very strong winds and high seas, in storms, the mast could break, and it could actually crush the ship. And so they were vulnerable. That's why they passed the ropes under and tied them off in order to hold the ship together because the ship could literally be torn apart. Let's read on. Verse 18. We took a, such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. So they have the grain, but then they also had this extra cargo because that's how they made that extra money. There was goods that came from Alexandria to go. They threw all that over. They said, we still have our grain, but they threw over the extra cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Now, this is bad. You got to eat, right, while you're traveling. You need the pulleys, the ropes, all the stuff that replaces the broken ropes and pulleys as you go along. There's problems. But they're saying, listen, we're not going to live long enough to need any of this stuff. Let's lighten the ship. And so they threw it over with their own hands. In other words, it didn't just wash off of the ship. They literally said, we're going to get rid of this. Now, Let's read into verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Have you ever been there? I'm not talking about a physical storm on the sea, although that's probably the most terrifying way to die. I'd rather be swallowed whole by a monster than die in treacherous seas. Have you seen shows where they're on the ocean and it's like creepy, scary? Anybody seen Perfect Storm? That makes you want to stay on land. White Squall, it just never stops coming. Horrible. The ladies knocking on the window as the show. That's awful. <laughs> Terrifying. Plus I can't swim. Makes it worse. I'm not talking about that kind of a storm, though. I'm talking about your life, the challenges of life, the, the storms that come into the soul and into your experience, into your physical life, into your emotional life, into your relational life. These storms are real. 
And have you ever felt like the storm is raging and your hope is fading? That's what it says here. They gave up all hope of being saved. Hey, maybe you even came to church today and, and arriving, you said, oh man, this is so good, but you know you're going back to a storm. Maybe it's a marital storm and love has been lost and things are broken. Maybe it's a cultural storm and you're just trying to figure out how to navigate the world in regard to the way culture is shifting things, values shifting, sex and gender, confusion and redefinition, workplace pressure, uh, family dynamics surrounding that. Friends, there's storms. And I would guess that some of you are in a storm. Maybe it's a personal storm. I know many people are caught in financial storms right now with mortgage rates going so high and, and just unexpected realities. Maybe it's family stuff with interpersonal relationships. Family drama is real. Can I get an amen? Friends and, and relationships that just haven't gone well, or, or maybe it's a personal failure that you're trying to work through and you feel like you're in a storm. Or for some of us, it could be a, a health crisis that's just come upon us and now we feel like we're caught in the storm. Listen, here's the truth about storms. Number one, storms will come. Jesus said in this life, you'll have trouble, right? Storms are real, storms come. You're either in one, you just got out of one, or you're heading toward one. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> storms will come. The second reality for us is sometimes we cause the storms. Like a, like a leaf blower in the middle of a dry field, you're just kicking up dust, you know? It comes sometimes in our attitudes or our words or our, our neglect or our habits or our actions. Sometimes we cause the storm. Sometimes others cause the storm. We're victimized by circumstance or by others' choices. And that's a reality for some of us. And then fourthly, there's one more, one more truth about storms. On occasion, God brings the storm. And he brings the storm so that he can blow you closer to him. And sometimes people make the decision in those moments to move away from God. But I want you to know, if God has brought a storm to your life, his intention is that you know him better in the storm and after the storm. So again, the end of this passage says, the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. I want you to know that's exactly where your enemy wants you to be. You see, your enemy wants to use your storm to rob you of hope. And listen, this is very important. Our most important commodity for facing our storms is hope. We gotta have hope. You need hope. I was talking about the perfect storm, white squall. I had my own experience once on a New Year's Day. It was a beautiful New Year's Day. Went out on a boat ride with some lovely people. We had a lovely day. Went to one of the islands around here. And on New Year's Day, on our way back, everything changed. It got dark. The wind began to blow. The waves were crashing against us. The top of the boat was damaged. And the, the cabinets were swinging open. And dishes were falling everywhere. And our, our kids are huddled in the corner with mom and mom's looking at me and saying how am I going to save these children because you can't even swim <laughs> I can kind of swim just not very far and she was right I would have been no help whatsoever I will boast all the more in my weaknesses but let me tell you the three most important things that you need to know in your storm okay 
I'm talking about real life, your circumstances, your challenges. First thing you need to know is this. God's got a plan. Amen? You may have pain and you may have problems, but God's got a plan. That's good news, friends. That's one of the most important things that you need to know in the middle of your storm. Paul knew this. And even though he discouraged them from leaving Crete, he knew something. And here's what it says in verse 21 of Acts 27. Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. That was his I told you so moment right there, okay? But he doesn't stay there long. Verse 22 says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. Listen, when you're in a storm, you don't need an I told you so. You need a but now. Amen? You need a but now. You need a new day, a new moment. And listen, let's just consider this time together a but now kind of moment. I don't know what you're experiencing. I don't know where your storm is. But let me tell you this. Whatever got us here, it doesn't matter. Whatever they said or did, it has to stop mattering. Whatever pain I'm carrying or problem I'm facing, let's let this be a but now moment because God has a plan. He has a plan. He has a plan right now. In the middle of your storm, he has a plan. Paul said, but now take courage. Why? Because God's got a plan. God's got a good plan. Ever, have you ever said this? Why do I have to go through this? Have you ever had one of those kind of moments? Why do I have to go through this? I'm looking around and I'm seeing other people. Why do I have to go through this storm? It doesn't seem fair. I look at other people, they're not having this storm. Ever wished you could go back to life before the storm? Ever wish you could go back to the way that it was? Hey, listen, those are normal feelings but they're not realities and they're not helpful. Can we just agree on that? And here's one of the main reasons why. Because God doesn't have a plan for the past. He certainly has a plan for the future. He's got a plan for your future. And if you're looking backwards, you're not gonna see the plan he has for your future because God doesn't have a plan for the past. The past is done. It's over. You know, it's funny, um, Lisa mentioned our wonderful holiday this last week. And uh, we did have a few disappointments, but we also had some unexpected moments. We're sitting around the propane fire pit. I'll just clarify, we didn't break the law. It's propane, very, very safe, still makes s'mores. We're sitting around the, the propane fire pit and our son gets out his phone and he goes to one of these shared streams of pictures that we all have. And he starts reminiscing. He's going back and he's showing pictures and he's laughing. And then my other daughter gets her phone out and she starts going in there. They're chatting about these things and they're reminiscing and they're sharing all these highlights. Oh, I remember that. That was so funny. That was so fun. That was so amazing. And the whole time I'm listening to them, I'm going like, were we in the same room? Because I remember the reality of that moment. Do you remember what you said before we took that picture? Do you know what happened after that picture? Do you know who was crying? And I shook them and said, stop crying, we're taking a picture. <laughs> right? Seriously. It's amazing how you can look into your past. Listen, you can look into your past and create this ideal picture of how it used to be. Oh, it was so good. So amazing. It's like the highlights. You're just looking through it. Oh, that was the best. That was the best. 
And when you're dealing with a reality that's other than idealistic, it's easy to say, oh, the past was so good. That was such an amazing time. It's easy to get stuck in the past, in the glory of the past, or friends, listen, in the pain of the past. You can get stuck in either. The hurt from the past or the glory of the past. And listen, wishing for the past will steal your hope for the future. Don't let the enemy take from you. God doesn't have a plan for the past. He has a plan for the future. It's like the man who went into the, the uh, pet store, walks in the door, and there's a parrot on a stand. He looks at the parrot, and the parrot looks at him, and the parrot goes, ah, you're the ugliest guy I have ever seen in my life. Man walks over to the, the front desk and says to the owner, your parrot just insulted me. So the owner of the store goes around, he grabs the parrot and smacks him around a little bit, shakes him up, says, stop that, puts him back. A few days later, man comes back into the pet store, he's looking for some dog food for his dog, hungry dog, ate all the food. He walks into this pet store and the parrot goes, hey, you know. You know, that's what wishing for the past is like. When we start wishing for the past, the past shouts at us, hey, you know, it's not as good as it used to be. Hey, hey, you know, you're still not over that hurt of the past, are you? Hey, 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 the past was so much better than now. Listen, I gotta tell you, the best way to honor the past is to grab hold and prioritize the future because that's how you honor what's been is you say, God, where are you taking me? Because God certainly has a plan for the future and he definitely doesn't have a plan for the past. It's over. It's over. And so let's move with God. Let's believe, number one, God has a plan. Number two, the well, second most important thing that you need to know about going through your storm is this. God's got a promise. In fact, that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, listen, take courage. Why? Because God has a plan. How do I know God has a plan? Because he made me a promise. And here's what it is in verse 24. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. You see, Paul spoke with confidence. He spoke with faith because of the promise of God. He's saying, this storm, it's not going to be the end of me. Why? Because I have a calling to fulfill. I have a purpose in God. Come on, somebody needs to grab hold of that one for themselves. Someone needs to say, that's what I needed to hear today, Andy. God's not done with me, and this storm isn't going to be the end of me because I've got a calling and something to do for God still yet today. Amen. My calling is bigger than my storm. God's good. He's got a plan, but he's also a God of promise. This will not be the end of me. Listen, when you're going through a storm, you need the promise of God. I remember in my own personal life, the worst storm I ever experienced, the worst personal storm, tragedy, devastation, loss, brokenness. Yes, I, it was all gone. And I remember sitting and thinking, God, what is left? What is left? 
And I remember my mentor, Pastor Ron, still with us on team. He was the lead pastor here for many, many years before me. He looked at me in that moment, tears in my eyes, and he said to me, Andy, you're always going to have a ministry. And I was like, why? How can you say that? Look at the broken pieces of my life. He said, you're always going to have a ministry because you have a calling. Friends, I can't tell you how much I needed to hear that. God wasn't done yet. The story wasn't written. And listen, the promise of God fuels your hope for the future. You need to know that there's still something for you to do. Paul had to live through the storms. Why? So much yet to do. He still had miracles to perform. He still had a church in Rome to encourage. He still had letters to write. He still had ministry to let go. He still had to go and speak to Caesar's court. God was not done with him, yet there was still ministry for him. And the same is true for you. God is not finished yet. It's not over. Your storms are real, but God can be trusted. You know, Paul's confidence is really amazing. We hear about, you know, God visiting him, talking to him, the angel of the Lord standing beside him. I mean, remember where he is. He's on a boat in a storm. It's like raging, tossing, turning, going back and forth. I talked to Pastor Nilo about his days as a seaman. And I said, Pastor Nilo, have you ever been through a storm? I thought he was going to say, yeah, you know, of course I've been through a storm. I said, okay, so tell me about the storm. He just smiles. You know, Pastor Nilo smiles a lot. Hey, I like that about him. He's my friend. And also, I said, okay, good. So you've been through a storm. Yeah, yeah. How long do they last? And I'm thinking, you know, 24 hours, 48 hours. He said, I don't know, seven, 10 days. Can you imagine? I'd rather be swallowed by a monster. I told you, it's horrifying. It's terrible. But this is the reality of where Paul was, and yet his proximity to Jesus was so beautiful. His proximity to the presence, the life-giving, loving presence of God was so very clear. He was able to hear God's voice, have a visitation from the angel, and then communicate that with both courage and strength and authority. Why? Because of his proximity to Jesus. And is it any different for you? I can almost guarantee you the 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 confidence that you carry through the storms of life is, are, is directly linked to your proximity to Jesus. So get close now. Get close right now. Let this be the moment where you say, okay, I don't know what's coming. I know where I am, but I want to be close to my loving God. And some of you would maybe push back a little bit today and say, Andy, you don't know. You have no idea what I've been through, what I've lost how broken things are in my life. Andy, you don't have any idea. And you know what? Let me just honor you and say, no, you're right. I don't. And it would be wrong for me to assert that I do. I just respect that your journey is your journey. Your pain is your pain. Your brokenness, it's yours. And I understand. It's real. It's deep. And so I, I would never assume that I understand what you've been through. But one thing I do know is I know the character of my God. I know how close he can be when it hurts. 
I know how good he is in the middle of the storm. So let me preach the gospel to you. God does not need your all put together, neat and tidy, Sunday best kind of life in order to get you through the storm. In fact, here's the thing that you need to know. God will get you there even on broken pieces. Even on broken pieces. That's really the next part of this story. You see, because God never promised a life without broken pieces. I'm sorry if someone told you that was the way it would be, but God never promised that. What God promises is this, that he will be with you and that he will give you courage as you walk it through. That's what God promises. He never promises that you're gonna be, go through life unscathed. That's not the reality. And it wasn't the reality for Paul. Although he was, in, he was directly in the center of God's will, he was also directly in the center of the storm. And so let's read what happens. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground, if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea. And at the same time, they untied the ropes that held the rudders. They hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move. And the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding surf. Can you go there in your mind? I see the sandy beach. Uh, there's some hope out there. I see some reprieve. I, I see some safety. We just got to get from here to there. And yet what happens? We're on our way and bam, another, another season in the storm. But it's right there. And the bow of the ship sticks to the sandbar and the back of the ship, literally by the pounding surf, is being ripped apart. It's gone from bad to worse. I mean, the storm is so real in these moments, but yet God still has a plan. God made a promise and God has the ability to get us to the destination and ultimately to heaven, even if it's on a few little broken pieces, hey? Let's read what happens next. The centurion ordered those who could swim to jump overboard, that would not be me, and to get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. And in this way, everybody reached land safely. 276, that's what this chapter tells us, 276 people made it safely. What are the chances of that? But the picture is so good. I have no idea if Paul could swim, but one way or another, God fulfilled his promise and got him there. I just think that last word is so key and so important for some of us that are here today because it feels like life is shattered and in the midst of it feeling so shattered, I want you to know the songs we sang before are still true, that even when I can't see it, he's working. God is working even when it feels like things are shattered. I want you to just be encouraged. You can place your hope in the truth that God has a plan and God has a promise and God can take the broken pieces and bring you to shore. You see, sometimes we look at the broken places of our life and we feel like, is this ever gonna change? 
Am I going to be adrift in these broken pieces forever? I can't tell you the answer to that. Some of you would say to me, I don't like this brokenness. Do you have any idea how fractured I feel? But I want you to know God's not afraid of the fractures. And God has a way of using those broken places. God has a way of using your life in such a beautiful way. And he doesn't waste a tear. Never does he waste a tear. So you might be feeling like I felt one time in my life. I was like, I don't like this new person. I don't like this brokenness. And I remember in those moments, God whispering to me and saying, listen, who you are becoming is exactly who I intend you to be. So through your brokenness, you are not ruined. Through your brokenness, you are not wasted. God doesn't waste a tear and he will not waste your life. You may not be who you were, but you're becoming exactly who God wants you to be. Trust him. He's so good. I want to pray for you today. The close of this message. Bow your heads with me, will you? Just as we end today. Here's my prayer. I'll just pray it over you in Jesus' name. I pray that you would see clearly the plan and the promise of God. That any place where your vision has been lessened because of the storms of life, there would be an illumination of God's gentle plan and his firm promise. I pray that you would have courage in Jesus' name to gather up what broken pieces you have and trust God to help you through, even with those. And I pray for those of you that feel like the ship is literally breaking apart, that you would have faith and trust in the God who says the story is far from over. And in Jesus' name, I pray, God, that you would restore hope in every heart. That, Lord, you would restore calling in Jesus' name, someone's lost their calling. God, restore that calling in Jesus' name. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Restore faith, God. Ability to trust beyond what we can see. Ability to believe what is yet to come. And oh God, in your gracious love for us, renew your promise in our ears. Let us hear again how good you are. Yes, Lord. You lead us so well. You said I'm saved. You said you called me yours. You said my future is full of your hope. Lord, these are things we sung today and these are true and sure promises. We trust you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm going to invite you to stand. And uh, I've asked James to sing a song, Firm Foundation. It's a song we know. But there was a part of it that just rang in my heart as we think about the storm. So whether you're in a storm, came out of one, or on your way, tuck this message away and let it be a part of God's uh, gift to you as you walk through difficulty. But this song is going to be our testimony, okay? So I want to encourage you to sing it. The words will be up. Sing it as a prayer. Sing it as a testimony. And it basically just proclaims what we have been learning together today, 
that God is good, he can be trusted, and even in the storms, he's still doing something. Amen, he's a firm foundation. Let's sing it together.